All right. Thank you for joining with me in those prayers. So, there's a lot of kings out there. There's political kings. There's uh, kings of uh, different uh, cultures and nations. But we also have this phrase like king of rock, right? And king of rock is Elvis Presley, all right? King of pop was a, would have been considered Michael Jackson. I had to look this up. But king of bluegrass would be Jimmy Martin. And uh, uh, this show comes to my mind, King of Queens, which I thought was a funny show. Kevin James and uh, Leah Remini starred in that. It's a funny show. But there is a king of love. And his name is Jesus. He is the king of all kings. Over all the pop and rock kings over all the geographical kings from every empire that's ever been on the earth. And he's actually the king of the universe. He created the stars and the galaxies and the planets. All of that was out of, from his words coming out of his mouth. I want to begin this message with focusing on Jesus as that victorious warrior king. That's how I ended uh, this series that we were in, uh, uh, Priest, Warrior King. And I want to just start kind of in that vein again. And so if you've uh, got your Bibles or Bible apps, go to Revelation chapter 1. But I want to say this about this message uh, I really believe it's an important message for each one of us. I um, Really, every Sunday, I feel like, man, Lord, I, this is the message I've got to preach. This is, this is the most important message for this time in our lives. I've got to preach this message. I feel that again today in, in just a strong way, I, maybe even a little bit stronger, that this message is really important. The thing about the king of love is that his love does not disappoint. His love does not disappoint, folks. His love is enough. His love is is fulfillment in our hearts and lives. uh, Later on in my message, uh, near the end, I'm going to ask Carol Tracy to come up and share a testimony and, and some scriptures, some things that God has shown her. And it's, it's about this theme and in a time in her life when she was single. And, um, and so I'm really looking forward to hear that. Um, let's jump into Revelation chapter 1. I'm just going to read this whole passage, verses 4 through 8. Lord Jesus, we do ask that your word quicken our spirit, enlivens our hearts. That we don't stay the same. Amen. So the Apostle John, he is uh, on the Isle of Patmos. He's, um, you know, under arrest. He's for being a follower of Christ. And they've got him isolated. And on the Lord's day, he has this incredible vision uh, step by step that the Spirit tells him to write these down. 
And here it is in chapter 1. We see his first eyes opening up to heaven and he sees Jesus and what he looks like. And what he is, he's that resurrected victorious king over hell, death, and the grave. And John gets to see him. And let's kind of read these four verses. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from whom, uh, from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. John is blown away. He is seeing the Almighty, the all-powerful. He is seeing this majesty like he's never seen. He's seeing the God of glory. This is the victorious, resurrected Lord who is faithful and true. He's head of the church. He is the Holy One, the perfect one. He is the King of the universe and he is the everlasting one. And yet look at what happens in the midst of him seeing this this being, this Lord of Lords with fire coming out of his eyes and the the word of God that's coming out like a sword of the spirit out of his mouth. He says in verse 5 that, yes, he's Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, but he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, And released us from our sins by his blood. Folks, this king of the universe, this creator of all that exists, chose to love us. To love you and me. He chose to do whatever it took to express this love perfectly and completely. And he had to come to earth, be a man, live a man's life by being fully God and fully man. And then taking on our sins and the punishment we deserve, even to the point of death on the cross. And where he gave himself to this judgment that he didn't deserve. I want to tell you folks, this God had you and me on his mind. He had a purpose to love us and to love us thoroughly to the end. And that meant he had to go to the cross, suffer and die for us. So I want to say that this king of the universe, king of kings, he's motivated by love. A love that is in him and comes out of him. And he did this for us. 
This love was so effective and complete that it washes us of our sin. It releases us of our shame. It breaks the bondage of our guilt hanging over us. This love, because of his blood shed, is victorious over our sin and the sins committed against us. Sometimes the sins that we've committed, we've asked Jesus to forgive us and he has by his blood and we're good with that. But there's been sins in this fallen world because everybody around us is one who will sin. And some are worse than others and some are abusive and violent and damaging. And those sins against us, God breaks the power of the shame And the humiliation of the sins against us. That's the power of his blood. So I wanted to start off with a a, a short list today. And I hope by God's will in two Sundays continue this message on the king of love. And how this love is so powerful and what it does in our lives. But let's just start with the first one. Because of the love of Jesus Christ we have been washed Free from our sin, and again, shame. The list, it's not just our sin, the shame, the guilt, the sin against us, that humiliation. He washes us free of that. I want to jump over to the book of Romans, chapter 5. And the Apostle Paul in this chapter, he's talking about our salvation and by faith. And yet, with that, there is this journey in our faith. And God gives us grace in this journey as we walk this out. That we have tribulation, but that produces perseverance when we stay faithful by His grace. And when there's perseverance, there's character. And character is built. And then, He said, and then with character, there's hope. And I want us to look at this hope for a moment. Starting at verse 5. Of Romans chapter 5. It says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Isn't that incredible? Hope does not disappoint because of the love of God. And it's not available occasionally. It's not available just on the bad days. It's not available just when you pray and ask for it. No, let me tell you, it is poured out in our hearts. It's abundance. It's, it's flourishing abundance of love of God for us. And this love is so effective, it's so real, that it can actually impact our soul, mind, and spirit where it doesn't disappoint. It really is the desire at the bottom of our hearts. This is what we desire, is God's perfect love. Let me read on here, verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 
the wrath of God because God is pure, he is holy, and he must, in order to be true and righteous, must punish uh, evil. That's what Jesus received on the cross. It was the punishment of our sin. So now we can step into eternity with Christ in heaven. Jesus' blood saves us from hell, as hell is an, a place that people who don't want Christ, well then, okay, you won't have them then in eternity. It's the wrath of God upon sin and evil, eternal damnation, separation from God. But God doesn't want that or will that anyone. He, he paid the price through His blood so that can, we can receive that forgiveness of our sins. I love this passage. It's, it's clear. We'll see another one too. That God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Love started from heaven. From God's heart. Love originates from God. It's in Him. It's from Him. I, I, I haven't really thought this through in all the dynamics and everything, but I, love is not created. Love is out of the heart of God. So he was, love was there before creation and he created things out of his, the word of his mouth. It was created with love. You and I were created for love. The perfect love of the Father. We have that in the deepest need, the bottom place of our heart, a need for God's love. So I want to say here, because the love of Jesus Christ, we have, number one, been washed free from our sin. And number two, we have hope that does not disappoint. It fulfills us. It gives us security and stability because it's the main thing we really want in life. That's what we want It's to know it, that we have it, we received it, that it's ours that we are have it poured out on us, and it's we're convinced in our mind, our soul, our being, that we have the fullness of His love. See, folks, love originates from God. We just respond back to the love of God. It didn't originate with us, so. Yeah, well, I became a Christian on such and such a date, you know, 20 years ago. And I prayed, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me my sins. I believe you died on the cross and raised from the grave. And I'm going to love you, Jesus. Like it originates from us. No, it didn't originate from us. When you made your decision to say yes to Jesus, it was after he was already demonstrated on the cross. He loves us. His love is... His kindness is, is leading you toward repentance, toward Him. He loves us first, and then we just respond. I want to spend some more time in 1 Corinthians 4. If you read, as we were in, we're in the gospel of, I mean, we're in the book of Revelation. John wrote that by the Spirit. He wrote the gospel of John. He wrote these three little letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. These have more than any other place, talk about the love of God. The writings of John, he writes and, and uses the, the Greek agape word uh, uh, more than any other writer. 
So we're going to be in chapter 4 right now. And again, two weeks, I believe God's got another passage in chapter 4 about fear, how perfect love casts out fear. And, and God's showing me some things, not only, you know, recently and from the past, I believe God wants me to bring here in a couple of weeks. Chapter 4, verse 7 through 10 says, Beloved, now that's, that's, that's agape word right there. You are a beloved, you are a cherished, treasured people. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So this is an unusual characteristic. It says God is love. And even if a married couple or friends and, and they don't know the Lord, but they're experiencing sacrificial love for one another... That came because they were created, all of us, in the image of God. And we're created in the image of God. That means we have this need and this potential for love. And so we all long for it. Next verse, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's just a big word that means atonement, that washing, making us free by His blood. That was the, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Wash them free of sin for a year, max. Jesus done it. He's done it once and for all for all of us by His blood. This king of the universe said, I am going to love you first. It, it, it wouldn't, he didn't come because we were calling out. He came and pursued us. I tell dating Christian couples, I say, God created romance. Romance is a God kind of love. It's a, it's a love that initiates and pursues someone. It has passion. It has, hey, I'm motivated. I'm going to go after this one. It's a beautiful kind of love. So I want to give you, because the word agape is like used in, in every phrase in here about love, I want to give you a sense of the, the, the basic word agape, which is the, it's a Greek word for love in the New Testament. One, it's, uh, it's unconditional love, meaning that we didn't earn it, we didn't uh, love him first, and then he responded. No, he gave this love to us originally and initiated it, and then we respond. Number two is that it's a strong, positive emotion of regard and affection. So it does, it's not just, you know, this God who loves us far away and we, we just uh, uh, kind of wonder, oh yeah, yeah, he has blessed our family and it's just a kind of distant, cold kind. No, it is a positive emotion of affection and sees us uh, uh, and regards us and pursues us. Another, again, these are from um, uh, Greek scholars and how they uh, developed this word agape, is to take pleasure in, to love based on its regarded value. So on Thursday, uh, little Silas was born in Louisville to the Carmichaels, and Isaac was born to the Whiteheads. 
these babies were created for love. And by God's design and uh, his hope was for every baby to be born with two parents. A mom and a dad. Because in Genesis it says about creation that God created male and created them in his image. Male and female he created them in our image. So the mother and father formed together a a combination of reflecting the heart and love of God more than any other image on the earth is the husband and wife in covenant together reflecting who it says in Genesis it says made in our image talking about the father the son Jesus and the Holy Spirit this community this combination of perfect unity God is reflected in marriage so beautifully and so clearly that God has intended, He wanted every baby and child to grow up to see the closest thing they could see to God is from a covenant marriage. And this will fulfill little Isaac and little Silas for many years, but at some point as they become choose, making their own decisions and they're a young man, a young woman that parental love, no matter how valuable it was and how wonderful it was they'll have a hole in their heart for God's perfect love, because mom and dad weren't perfect though they did their best and of course, there can be awful wounds from mom and dad it's really actually common it's 100% that our mom and dad do some kind of wound because they're not perfect they just do the best they can and so we all need a healing of our heart and life with the perfect love of Jesus Christ only a relationship with Jesus Christ will touch that empty spot in that in that hole in our heart. So because of the love to Jesus Christ, we have, number one, been washed free from our sin and shame. We have received hope that does not disappoint from the love of God. And number three, we have love from God to love Him back. We need His love to love Him. I want to uh, make a transition here and, and, and call Carol up. Why don't you go ahead and walk up here. Carol's fine. Think about Jesus here. Jesus was, as, as he lived on the earth, he was bringing out this perfect love of his father out of his heart and life. Jesus uh, was motivated by love for his heavenly father. And he mentions this, of his love for the father, and I must uh, finish the work and obey everything he's commanded me to. Jesus taught that our love for God is seen by our obedience to God, and Jesus did that perfectly. And you know, he impacted the world, and he was single as well. 
he was fully fulfilled by the love of his father. And God chose another single person, the Apostle Paul, to write most of the New Testament in deep aspects of God's love. As we know, we're going into uh, a Valentine's weekend message next Sunday. And Carol has shared, and I've had this on my heart as well, is we don't want someone who's not married to feel like they're getting left out on what God's doing. And that God has a love for each one of us, and it's an effective and powerful love. Carol, why don't you, if you don't mind, just go ahead and share the teaching and scripture and story that you have in your heart. Okay. That's what triggered this thought process for me was, I know Valentine's Day is not an exciting day for some people. Because it's all about love. and But God doesn't want you to feel left out. And, and that's why I wanted to share this with you. Um, and, and so I just want to start out by saying, let the king of love satisfy you. You can be completely single, yet completely whole with Jesus. You are not half a couple. You plus Jesus make a whole. You are not broken or rejected. Jesus wants you to live an abundant, fulfilling life with him. You know, and that goes for singles as well as couples. I I was thinking this while I was sitting there. I don't have it on my paper. But even as a couple, Jesus has to be the one that fulfills you. You can't even... You can't even count on your mate to be everything you need. He wants you to be fulfilled with him no matter what state you find yourself in. He knows you, he loves you, and he wants to heal you from the enemy's lie that he is not enough or that you are not enough. I went through a season in my life, it's been a few years ago, that I was single for about three and a half years, and it was a very difficult season. Um, my husband left, and I was the mother of two teenage sons. And, you know, I, I was broken. I was hurt. I felt dejected. I'm like, who am I now? Um, where am I going? You know, it was my whole world was turned upside down during that season. But God... He uses those things if we'll come to him. I knew Jesus well at that time, so that was the blessing of it. And I knew he was my answer. So I pressed into him. And one time when I was spending time with him, he asked me, if you never marry again, am I enough? And I'm like, oh, no, don't ask me that. I don't want you to ask me that because I don't want to live single. He's like, if you never marry again, am I enough? And when when he asked me that, his sweet presence was all, all over it. And his wonderful, fulfilling love. And I was able to say, yes, if I never marry again, you are enough. And he wants you to know that. 
that question and call is not just for singles. He asked that of each of us. Do you believe that Jesus is enough for you in your singleness, in your widowhood, in your marriage? If you don't know that, he wants you to know that. He knows you, he loves you, and he wants to fill you with himself. Then I want to read one scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 7, 31 through 35, and it's out of the message translation. It's a bit long, but it fits really well. Of course, this is Paul talking. I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. There's no time to waste, so don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. In marriage, grief, joy, whatever. Even in ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping and so on, deal as sparingly as possible with the things of the world, that the things the world thrusts on you. The world, as you see it, is fading away. We, we lose perspective of that sometimes, don't we? We get all tied up in and got to do this and got to do that. But this world's passing away. And there's only one thing that's going to last, and it's our relationship with him. Okay, now where I am. I want you to live... Yeah, that's where I am. I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. I'm trying to be helpful and make it easy as possible for you, not make things harder. All I want is for you to be able to develop a way of life in which you can spend plenty of time together with the master without a lot of distractions. You know, and that doesn't just happen automatically. (laughs) As you know, we have to find that time to pull away with him and sit at his feet. He knows you. He sees you. He loves you. He calls you to come and let the love of the king fill you. I heard a song this morning before I came to church, and I loved the worship today. And it was, he still reigns, and he's still God. And he is that for each one of us. He still reigns, and he's still God. So whatever, wherever you find yourself today, press in to all that he has, because he wants to make you whole, whether you're married or single. Thank you, Carol. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's okay. I uh, <clears throat> looking forward to next week and hearing from the Tracys and the Bates. And again, you can begin <clears throat> sending me questions for the Q and A time. Um, and Daryl and Carol uh, Tracy, being a second marriage in a blended family. Um, I'm, you know, believe that we'll have some questions and, and they'll address that is that is one of the more, you know, complex family situations to live in and live through. And I would, I want them to uh, be able to uh, share some of that next Sunday. I'm going to go ahead and ask the uh, altar ministry teams to come up and, and, and the praise team that is and, and, uh, and the altar ministry team. I do have, <coughs> excuse me. 
a story to tell from my own life about the love of God. And last year, um, kind of, it was actually almost a year and a half ago, I hired a, a, a leadership coach for Christian leadership, and she ended up really focusing in on um, some spiritual areas of my life, and it was it was very helpful. And she said, when you have your devotions, take some time to, I want you to really just be quiet and listen, listen to the Lord. And she said, I want you to do it this way. I want you to uh, be at your spot, and you know, you have your Bible and everything, and you're uh, quieting yourself. Maybe you had some worship first or whatever. And here's one or of two questions, and you can use one of these two questions to um, ask Jesus and just have him in sense in your heart, visualize him in the same room with you. And, uh, and so you're going to ask him one of these two simple questions so you can be in a listening mode and just receive and listen. And the first time I did this, I, you know, got myself quiet. And, and when I visualized Jesus sitting in another chair there in that uh, little close area, I got up in my heart and just ran to him and got in his lap for a big hug. I didn't ask him any question. I didn't say anything. I didn't, I didn't need to. I just needed that sense of his love for me. And it was like I had been missing him. And, and I was bummed out about that. What am I missing Jesus for? I shouldn't be missing him. I, I, I want to spend closeness, intimate time with him every day. I, I don't want to miss him. would do this, you know, on occasion, this practice to be part of my devotional time. And I, that didn't happen every time. Other times I did ask the question, I would listen, I would have my journal with me, and I would write things down that I was hearing. And uh, in other times, I just wanted to be as close as I could. And I, I want to say that as a man, I mean, it's okay to hug Jesus as, as us being men, right? Here's an image of one that I found. It didn't quite fit where I was at that day, but just wanted to, you to see it. That, man, we can run to Jesus. He initiated love. We can just sit in his loving arms. We go through life. We have different phases of life about what fulfills us being a success in our career, how that's going to fulfill us, and it falls short. Uh, Being wealthy and have lots of money and making it big financially, that's going to satisfy me, and it falls short. Today is Super Bowl Sunday, and there'll be one of the two teams that'll be celebrating all the confetti and all the hugs and the cheers, but we'll hear stories from some of the superstars later on in life and say, you know what? The Super Bowl ring didn't fulfill it. Still had a hold in my heart. And so, as we go into prayer today, I want to say that for any of us, no matter what stage we're in in life, that I want you to experience the love of Jesus. I want you to know it in your knower. I want you to be beyond a shadow of doubt and heal often wounds that happen to us that 
skew and fog up that love of Jesus. And so, as the worship team plays, I'm going to go ahead and uh, dismiss with, with a blessing for everyone. And you just can spend more time and worship at your seat. You can come up here at the altar. You can go to an altar ministry teams and around the room. I'll be here. But I want to speak a blessing over all of you before I release you to go or to stay. It's the number six ironic blessing. It expresses the love of God. I just want you to receive this over your spirit, soul, and being from our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom. Everything as it really ought to be. Nothing missing, nothing broken. May you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of his smile of approval of you. For in Christ Jesus, you are approved. May you walk under the warmth of his presence and hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. Jesus, we receive your love today. As your word says, pour out your love on us, into our hearts. If you don't know Jesus in, in a relationship with him, either in this room or online, I keep open that door. You can pray this prayer and follow along with me right now. If you want to begin that intimate, real relationship say this from your heart. Dear Jesus, I want you in my heart. Fill that empty spot. I turn from my sins and I turn towards you. I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the grave for me to give me your eternal love, to give me your eternal life. Many of us, Lord, I want and need that more often of your love. To pour it out. And I'm asking today for you to fill me with your love. You're blessed to, to go into your day. You're blessed to stay and worship some more, receive prayer. Have a great week.